Carpenter's Way. All right. Uh, if you're in the room, if you want to stand and worship with us, you can. You don't have to, but you can. If you really want to worship, you can stand. Just play it. Just play it. You don't have to stand. But yeah, if you want to stand, you can worship with us this morning. Uh, if you're joining us online, uh, we say it every week. Uh, don't be a spectator. 
uh, join in with this. I have something weird going on with my monitor. Anyway, uh, yeah, here we go.
alive and I am bound to death no more Ooh, He is alive in Jesus Christ always secure If you're able to, please stand while we read from God's Word. Our Father God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. from 
say thank you, Lord, that we stand before a holy God. And God, as we go through Peter and this, uh, this series we're in, Lord, that you deserve, you deserve it, God. You deserve our effort. You deserve us trying. And so, God, we just, as we open up your word again this morning, as we stand before you holy, that you've declared us holy and righteous before a holy God, we ask so that you just let that sink in. Just speak to us, God. Speak to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, worship team. Fantastic worship this morning, declaring God holy. This is such a great time to be alive on this planet as a child of God. You know, we, I don't know what just happened behind me, but it's still a great time to be alive. You know, to, uh, we have had, our children's ministry, our student ministry has had such a phenomenal summer already of ministry. For those of you who are praying, our students got back alive uh, Adam came back with, oh, you're back in the room. Welcome home, sick one, oh, sick one. 
Uh, but we're glad you're back. They had a great time. Did, every, did you come back with the same number that you left with? That's the most important thing. As far as you know, you're counting in your head. So uh, you see our students and our staff that went with the orange shirts on this morning. That was following Grow Camp. Uh, and then this week, Alicia is taking a group of kids this afternoon at 12.15-ish. I think they're leaving from the church to our preteen camp. And uh, that's an exciting time. And then on Friday, we have another group of people taking our really young kids to camp, uh, camp his way. So lots of discipleship going on. And you know, that is how we respond to the world. I, I think, I think uh, that, that one of the major mistakes that the church has made is to align herself politically and, and put so much energy and emphasis on that and leaving the thing that transforms us, and that is that is uh, knowing the Lord and trans- allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out. It, I, I know uh, for a lot this week, you know, there was, uh, <clears throat> I, you know, I, the, the uh, uh, Roe versus Wade being overturned is a good thing, but you realize it doesn't make abortion illegal. It sends it back to the state. So no matter where you are on the agenda, don't let people lie to you. It is what it is. And if and it's time for the church to put our money where our mouth is. Adopt a kid. Let's make, let's make abortion not needed, not illegal. And, uh, and I, I know you feel that, and I know some of us are too old to do that, but, man, we can certainly support those who aren't. And, uh, and there's so much going on in our culture, and we have the unique privilege of sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with anyone and everyone we come in contact with. And when you come in here on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights and on other opportunities, I just want you to exhale, and I want you to take in God. That's why I want you, I want you to take, I'm not literally, He lives within you, but I want you to sing songs like Holy, 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 and just think about what that means. It's so wonderful. Our God is a holy God, and He is a just God, and He's a righteous God, and He's a merciful God. And the day is coming when all of this noise is going to be gone, and we're just going to hang out in heaven together. And it is going to be beyond what we can even imagine. In the meantime, we're here to work. That's what we do. We're here to serve. And I'll get more on that in a few moments, but I, I want to um, take a moment and I want to pray for our, our preteen camp and our... Uh, Casey, are you, is Casey in here right now? Uh, I, Jeff, are you in the back? I, I know he's working this morning on technical stuff. I was asking Anna what we call, not our preteen camp, but our kids at the end of the week who go to camp his way. We don't have an official name for that, right? All right, well, I'm about, to, I'm about to call it something. So the young kids camp. I mean, these are, I can't believe, I think it's what grades go. Do you know, Gracie? Gracie, you're an intern here. So it's kindergarten through second grade kids are going to camp now. First through third. Nobody seems to know but some voice, some lone voice in the back. First through third. I don't know about you, but sending a first grader to camp, and it is so successful. They have a great time. They learn about God. Kids learn about being away from their parents. They learn about not wetting the bed, all those exciting things. So be praying for them. But look, from the earliest ages, we are teaching kids about Jesus. We're not teaching kids about politics. We're not teaching kids about Baptists. We're teaching kids about Jesus, and that's what we do. And so let's take a moment, let's pray for our camps uh, and these kids that are going, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are different, you are holy. We couldn't even create or think of a God that's as merciful and just as you are. 
And I thank you, Father, that you said when you were walking the earth, busy with adults, feeding thousands of people and healing the blind and making the deaf uh, to hear. Father, as, as you were doing that, the disciples tried to keep the kids away from you because you were tired. And, they, and you said, you let these kids come. And so, Father, we want to direct our children to you. And I thank you for Casey, and I thank you for Alicia, and that whole team, Lord, that ministers to these kids. I pray that you would give special uh, energy to Alicia, who's been involved in everything so far. Give her strength this week, and I pray that she would not fall asleep on the job. Uh, we pray that they would have a wonderful time, that these children would not, would not miss home so much that they, they, they miss you in the message. Father, for those that will be speaking, for those that will be ministering to these children, for Piney Woods Camp, for Camp His Way staff, we thank you that even in this community we have these wonderful men and women of God who commit their lives to serving students and children and people, and we pray, Lord Jesus, make yourself be known. The most important thing that's going to happen this week did not happen in Washington, D.C. It's going to happen at camp. It's going to happen in this room. It's going to happen when people open your word, because one thing may change th things in this life, Another thing changes into the next life. And so, Father, I pray that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus so that the things of the earth would grow strangely dim. In your holy name we pray, amen. Man, it's been a crazy couple of days, hasn't it? What an amazing time to be a pastor. I just can't believe that God would call a guy like me who couldn't read in the sixth grade to serve him at such a time as this. And it is exciting. In all the time in history... God chose to birth us in this season. This isn't a dark time. It's a glorious time to serve the Lord. And, and not politically, but with our hearts. People need hope. They're lacking hope. And we know Jesus Christ is our Savior. And it has been, it's so exciting. I want to remind you, though, as we continue to move through life together, and that's what we do, that this isn't the first time in history where it's been weird to be a follower of Jesus. It's always been weird. And it's always been dangerous. When Peter, uh, the days in which Peter wrote the two letters that we're studying right now, First and Second Peter, it was a, it was a crazy not time for the young body of Christ. To put it in a timeline for you, it's been about 20 years since Jesus ascended into heaven. It had been about 20 years since they were worshiping in the upper room in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit came upon them on that, that Pentecost celebration day. It had, been, it had been 20 years and thousands of people, tens of thousands of people have become followers of Jesus. Started with 120 in the upper room. Then the Holy Spirit comes and their ministry over that 20 years is effective. In the first week, five to 6,000 people became followers of Jesus. And so lots of exciting things have happened. But while much, uh, much excitement has taken place, being a follower of Jesus had been a difficult thing both for Jews and now for Gentiles. Not today, but even in the New Testament period. For the Jew, even to this day, when you become a follower of Jesus, you, uh, most people in that culture, in that community, saw you as rejecting not just the God of the Jews, but also rejecting their traditions. If, if, a, if a Hebrew person today gets saved, if a Jewish person today becomes a follower of Jesus, one of the first questions that's asked is, oh, so you're walking away from, from being a Jew? No, I'm still a Jew. I'm just a follower of Jesus. Why is that important this morning? Because I want to warn you again that being a follower of Jesus is not a political following. It's a spiritual transformation. 
We follow Jesus not because he's an American, because he's not. The Jews, these Hebrew followers of Jesus, didn't follow Jesus because he was a Jew, but because he was the Messiah. He was the only one that could save him, them. And, 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 and for, throughout history, from the Hebrew tradition to the Roman tradition of Constantine, and even today, we have allowed leaders, large voices in the church to convince us that this is a political action committee, and it is not. It is a transformative power of the Holy Spirit change in individuals, and it makes us radical, and it makes us dangerous. For the Jews, it made them dangerous to the tradition of Judaism. But to the Gentile, it was dangerous because you know that during the time of, uh, of the early disciples, just of Peter, during this time, to be a Gentile meant to be open to lots of philosophies. They believed in many paths to God. Uh, their, their corporate unifying thing was philosophy, Plato, Socrates, that whole concept. So when people began to be followers of Jesus, they weren't called Christians right away. They weren't called followers of Jesus right away. They were called followers of the way. You remember that in Acts? Followers of the way. And why were they called followers of the way? Because Jesus' predominant message was, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father or to heaven, or as they called the Elysium, except through me. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. There is no heaven without me. And that was offensive to the Gentile culture. It was offensive because you're saying that all these other gods... All these other things you're doing are fake. They're not real. They won't save you. Only God saves you. And while to the believer, that's an invitation to join us in the family of God, to the lost person, it sounds like elitism. It sounds like closed-mindedness. And that hasn't changed since Nero's time. It hasn't changed since Herod's time. It hasn't changed since Pilate's time. That's what, it, that's what they are claiming about us today, and that is what will take us into the tribulation. That is why we will be persecuted. That is why we will be killed. For the same reason as Jesus was killed, because Jesus wouldn't tow the party line. He came to do the will of his Father, and that was a threat to the, to the religious leaders of his day. And so being a follower of Jesus had become dangerous, and Peter is coming to the end of his life, in chapter, uh, chapter 1 of 2 Peter, I showed you where he said that God has made me aware that my time is coming where I'm going to leave you. He's talking about dying. And so Peter writes these letters knowing that his time with these people has come to a close. During Nero's reign, which Peter is writing these letters during, uh, persecution of believers went away from a social pressure. First, Peter's about that. And 1 Peter was basically his message, put your hope in the next life. YOLO is a lie. YOLO has been a satanic lie since the beginning. You only live once, so feed your flesh. Even in the church today, it's taught. You know, your live your best life. That's a lie. As a child of God, your best life is unfathomable and it's on its way. But it ain't going to be here. That's what Paul taught. That's what Peter taught. To believe that you can have your best life now is to deny that sin has infiltrated the world. And so Peter in the first letter basically says, hey, put your hope in what, what is stored up for you there. Put your hope there. Live faithful now no matter what the cost. Three years later, we believe. It's about three or four years later that Peter writes the second letter. During the first letter, we believe that Peter was beginning to be 
uh, accused of treason against the Roman state. During the second letter, we know that he's imprisoned and that he's about to be killed for it. History tells us that it's one year after writing the second letter, Peter is in fact hung upside down on a cross. That's not found in Scripture. It's found outside of Scripture and history. So Peter knows that he's about to die. So this is his swan song. And so far in 2 Peter, one of the things that we have come to understand is he is telling them, you've got to be grounded in God's Word because I'm about to leave. You've got to know God for yourself. And how do you know God? You know God through the prophets, the Old Testament books, and you know God through the apostles, what we have taught you. And so for us, we have the writing of the apostles and the prophets. His, in last week's message, we, we, uh, we came to understand that the apostles validated what the prophets taught. He says, we are here to tell you when our time with Jesus, he is the Messiah that the prophets spoke about, and now listen to us as we teach you. But he is scared he's leaving the scene. And as he about leaves the scene, now let me put some context in today's text because it's so important. While up to this point in First and Second Peter, he has been talking to them about uh, exterior influences from the world that's going to persecute you. He says, don't be afraid of the lion that can eat your body, but fear the one who, the lion of Judah that can cast your soul in hell. Remember, he's saying, look, you fear God and don't worry about people. God's going to take care of this. So persecution, put your eyes on Jesus. But he also tells them to stay away from feeding their flesh. Sacrifice. It's okay. This is not your best life now. Your best life's coming in eternity. It is, it is, uh, it's protected for you by God himself. It's coming, so live sacrificially now. But there's one huge thing that he has yet to address that he's going to address in 2 Peter chapter 2. And I want to read it for you right now because uh, it is so easy to understand. But there were also false prophets in Israel, 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. Wow, pause. Many are going to follow these false teachers. Wow. And because of these teachers, the way of the truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to, hold, uh, to get a hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell, in the gloomy pits of darkness, while they were being held until the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world, except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into a heap of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who tor was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw he and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desires and who despise authority. These people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at supernatural beings without so much as trembling. 
But the angels, who are far greater in power and strength, do not dare to bring from the Lord a charge of blasphemy against these supernatural beings. These false teachers are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they do not understand, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Their destruction is their reward for the harm that they have done. They love to endure, indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and stain among you. They delight in deception even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. They commit adultery with their eyes, and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin, and they are trained in greed. They live under God's curse. They have wandered off the right path and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. These people are as useless as dried up springs or as a mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to the blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boastings. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom. Oh, this is huge. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than they were before. It would be better if they had never known the way of the righteous than to know it and reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of a proverb. A dog returns to its vomit, and another says a washed pig returns to the mud. Wow. Can you imagine when the pastor of the church stood up and said, I got a second letter from Peter, and this is what it says. When he read this chapter, and they were, their minds had to be blown. And I got to tell you something. As I listen to this or as I read it this week, one of the things that interests me is how many of these verses are taken out of context and just taught individually. This is one fluid thought. This isn't about the world. For those of you going, yeah, the world sucks, I just want you to know this is about the religious leaders within the church. This whole thing, from beginning to end and those that will follow them. This isn't about the world. So while Peter's been talking about the world up to now, and while, the, while Peter's been talking about us choosing righteousness over sin, the temptation to give in and hide from the world and not minister within the world, the temptation to give in to sin because I've already paid, Jesus paid for my sin, so I might as well indulge in my flesh so that I can enjoy life. Here he's saying, now we have a bigger problem. And he's pretty graphic here. And the bigger problem is, there are going to be people among you who teach false doctrine, heretical doctrines, and they're going to lead many into deception. There is a, okay, you're, I am not a biologist, and I've never tried this, okay? But it has been told in many pulpits throughout the years, so I don't know if it's true, that if you take a frog and you put it in a pot of water, cold water, and you put it on the stove, does anybody, you're Texan, somebody in this room has done this, I know and you turn it on, that the frog will not jump out but eventually boil to death because the frog's skin doesn't sense that a temperature change has taken place. And I think that that, again, I don't know if it's true or not, but one of the things that strikes me about that illustration is I think in a lot of ways the church today has kind of become like that. For instance, we know that not just Peter was worried about this, but Paul was worried about this because he wrote about it in 2 Timothy chapter 4. In 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4, he wrote, For a time is coming when people who will know, 
when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching, they will follow their own desires and look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will, my phone, Siri just woke up. Don't interrupt me, Siri. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid for suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Paul was worried that the church of Ephesus would go down this path. So he writes this to Timothy, its young pastor, to tell him, you've got to watch out for this. And when we hear that, all of you know this, the whole evangelical church in our culture knows this. And when we hear this, we go, yeah, there's some bad eggs out there. And you might go to somebody who teaches radically crazy doctrine that you know of. But what's happened in the church is there are people that we consider among us that teach radical, crazy, heretical doctrines. But we're so used to hearing their names, we're so used to hearing their music, we don't think anything about it. You see, little, little information for you. When we, when we say the word Lucifer or Satan, we all picture, if I, if I said draw a picture of it, if we asked our kids to draw a picture, they would do horns, there'd be a tail and a pitchfork. You know, that is a never the description of him in Scripture. Some of you are going to Revelation in your mind going, yeah, he's called the dragon. But he's never described as that. What he's described that is an angel of beauty, an angel of light. The picture of, the, uh, of that uh, red, ugly character, demonic character that we have in our minds came from the Middle Ages when Christians wanted to offend Lucifer. So they created the most hideous, scary, demonic picture they could. And that's where that comes from. We think that when Satan does his work, most of the time it's going to come from D.C. or Hollywood or whatever your biggest enemy is right now. Uh, we think that's where it's going to come, where blood's going to come out of the wall. Do you know that in this room this morning, the demons are wandering around this place? The demons are whispering in your ear, what's for lunch? It's, uh, it's 22 after 10. He's got to be done by 11.20. Only an hour till we get to eat. You see, Satan, Satan's best work in our culture is not done by exposing himself, but by hiding himself in what we think is okay. In other countries that live in fear of the demonic, he's most effective by exposing himself as a powerful demon. In our culture, most of us, what the statistics said last week, that 80% of people believe in God. If Lucifer was to expose himself for the evil demonic that he is, most people would return to God. And he is a tactical military guy. He's not a fool. He wouldn't do that. The best thing he can do to the church is give us everything we want. I've often wondered, you know this, and, and look, this is not an anti-American statement, but I sometimes wonder if America hasn't been blessed by God, but actually Lucifer and all of his demons got together 500 years ago and said, how can we kill the church? I got an idea. Let's give them everything they want. And so we start a country with a Judeo-Christian value. We call ourselves what Jerusalem, Israel was supposed to be called, a city on a hill. We claim to believe in God and the guy who writes all that, and I'm going to attack him as much as I can. Thomas Jefferson, who's accountable for most of the in God we trust statements all over Washington, D.C., himself rewrote the New Testament with things that he could absolutely believe Jesus did. And he removes all the supernatural all the supernatural references to him. That makes him, according to 1 and 2 John, an antichrist. And we go to D.C. and we go, look how reverent our country is to God. In God we trust. Well, if that doesn't mean anything, it's just words. 
And sometimes in the church we go, this country was started, and we got to go, wait a minute. There has never in the history of mankind been following God and, and politics, and it works. It doesn't work. And that's our religion. Our religion, for most of you in this room that are conservative, 70, 80% of you, our religion is God's guns and country. There's only one problem with that. God doesn't have anything to do with guns and country. If he's not on Jerusalem's side, if he's not on Israel's side, and I want to remind you of that story, when Joshua goes out in the wilderness and he sees the angel of the Lord with the sword, and he says, are you with me or my enemy? And he pulls his sword to take him on, and the angel of the Lord said, what? Neither. If he isn't on Joshua's side, the called leader of the nation, then we better be careful. Well, Pastor Mark, what does that have to do with this text? Be careful, because we all have a flesh. We all have desires. And these teachers that Paul is worried about when he writes Timothy are going to tell us what we want to hear, what our flesh wants to hear, so that we're seduced into it. Let's jump into exactly what Peter is talking about, because while Timothy says it in three verses, Peter's actually going to explain what their doctrine is. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3a, but there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false prophets or false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. Keep that in your brain. These are Christian teachers. They're going to deny, and I'll, I'll explain the Greek there in a moment. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves, and many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of the truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. Hello? Does that sound familiar at all? Am I the only one who's ever tuned into TBN to throw up? And I know some of you are going, why, why name names? Because names need to be named. These false teachers within the church, these are wolves in shepherd's clothing. Like false prophets of Israel, they don't deny God. They simply hijack the message with clever yet destructive heresies. He even tells us what their message will be. Some of you are going to be upset today. They reduce the role of Christ as central within their message and they raise the role of people. The Greek statement here translated is, they deny the master, that, that, I, that New Living says, deny the master who bought them. It actually says in the Greek, they bring alongside of the gospel other teachings. And their goal will be to lift themselves up. Now, now we know what to look for. Christian leaders claiming to be messengers of God who reduce the role of Christ while lifting themselves up. They do this by cleverly lying, probably by misusing Scripture, which is what Satan has always done. I refer you back to Genesis chapter 2, where Eve is being deceived. Lucifer uses Scripture, God's own words, in order to deceive her so that they can get a hold of your money. Does it sound familiar yet? Hello. This is happening all around us, you guys. Their ministry advertisements do have crosses, but they're in the corner. They're a watermark. What they do is they got the preacher going, and I'm telling you, you are a child of the king, so you are the best thing ever. You are good. 
And you watch him and you go, I'm good. I watch him and I go, I'm good. And I listen to their music where it says, today's the day of your miracle. And I go, today's the day of my miracle. I feel good. The problem is, it's a lie. The day of my miracle was the day I was saved. The day of my miracle was when Jesus resurrected from the dead. The day of the miracle was when the Holy Spirit came to live within his children. Those are the days of the miracle. The day of the miracle is that God doesn't give up on me. The day of the miracle is that I am secure in the power of the Holy Spirit, being transformed by him. The, the day of the miracle is even when I die, yet I shall live. The day of the miracle is while I will die, the sting doesn't stay like it does with the lost person. The day of the miracle is Satan will never have a victory in my life. It has nothing to do with how good or bad I am or how I feel about life. These Christian leaders, they lift themselves up. It becomes a self-help message with a, with a reference or a verse taken out of context to, to make it look like a biblical. They talk of Christ, but they mostly talk of themselves and how you can be better, a more successful version of yourselves. How you can do the very things Christ did. Because after all, it was the Holy Spirit within Jesus that did all the work while on the earth, and he was only a man when he gave up. Okay, you ready for this? And I'm about to make it real specific to today. This is what Peter was worried about. Peter was worried about people who would deny the one that saved them. He was worried that they would add to the gospel, that they would reduce Jesus and raise them up. There is a common doctrine among the, among the, uh, the health and wealth doctrine, the uh, prosperity gospel today, that's called little gods. It is very common. It's been around since the 1800s. And these people claim that since Jesus Christ, according to Philippians chapter 2, he, he uh, emptied himself, they go farther and say, so he wasn't divine while he was on the earth. For 33 years, Jesus was just a man. He was a man inhabited by the Holy Spirit. And while he rose from the dead, and while he did miracles, that was all the work of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you, as a divine child of God, heir to the throne you too, if filled by the Spirit, can do everything Jesus did. In fact, I have heard uh, Bill Johnson of Bethel Church out of Redding, California, say that Jesus himself was unnecessary. Any of us inhabited by the Holy Spirit could have done everything Jesus did. In case you're not clear, that's heresy. Kenneth Copeland teaches that. It's all over the place. These people are heretics. Benny Hinn teaches it. I know, Benny Hinn repented of it three years ago and then started over. T.D. Jakes teaches it. Joyce Meyer, while not getting into too much doctrine, says that you are a self-improving creation. That's not what Scripture teaches. Kenneth Copeland, Paul Crouch, Kenneth Hagin, Creflo Dollar, and many more. Just about 98.9.2% of the people on TVN teach this. How much money do you need? I don't know, ask Kenneth Copeland. How many airplanes do you need? I don't know, ask Kenneth Copeland. These are heretics, family. These aren't people that are just deceived or have different opinions on Scripture. They are heretics. They are not teaching Jesus. They are teaching self-help with a little cross in the corner. That's exactly what Peter was worried about. Second uh, Peter 2, 1a, but there were also false teacher, prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. And they will clearly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. This wasn't new in Peter's time. 
And Peter wanted us to know that. So look at Peter's examples of heresy, this kind of heresy, in chapter 2, verse 4. For God did not spare even angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. Okay, pause, because i got to explain some things here if if you're thinking and you are thinking people because I get your emails. So first of all, there is not God, angels, Satan, demons. First of all, Lucifer himself is just an angel but he's the general angel. He led a third of the angels out of heaven. But it's not just him and a group. There are different kinds of demonics. Some are more powerful, some are more deceitful. I don't understand all that, but the fact is that there is an order of demons. Uh, You hear about this when you read, you know, um, in the New Testament, and it talks about powers and forces. It just lays it out in the New Testament in a general way. But there were some demons that were so evil at the fall of Lucifer that God bound them, and they are still bound to this day. Revelation talks about them, and they have been cast into a pit where they are going to be held until the day of judgment. I mean, you think demons are bad? There are some demons that are really, really, really bad. And these were bound after they fell and are still bound until the end of time. This happened also in the days of Noah. Next verse, and God did not spare the ancient world, except, so, so think about that. Well, why doesn't God take care of business? Well, God didn't spare the ancient world either. Why didn't he take care of business? Because he's still taking care of business. Understand that what's going on in the world today is all part of God's plan to redeem mankind. And I just want to say that for those of you who don't know Jesus today, don't know the Jesus of the Scriptures, the reason he hasn't stopped this, the reason he hasn't stopped evil in the world, the reason it's still going on is because he's patiently waiting for you to be saved. He died on the cross for your sins. He's offered to pay for your sins. He actually rose from the dead. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and he's begging you to accept his offer to forgive. Well, I don't like the church. i got to tell you something. The church is a lousy reason to go to hell. It's a lousy reason just because you don't like the church, just because you've been hurt by pastors. This text says that you're going to be hurt by pastors if you're not careful. So you need to stop doing what Satan wants, looking at yourself, and you need to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Not the Jesus of your favorite teacher or your favorite book or your favorite sin. We're talking about Jesus of the Scriptures, who will not accept your sin, but instead will take the price for your sin. This has been around. He says, God didn't spare the ancient, Noah, uh, let me start again, and God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and his seven others and his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. This was happening not just before the world with the demons and angels, but it was ha- and not just in Noah's day, but he goes on to give another example. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. So we have three examples of God casting judgment on the world, on people claiming to have a relationship with him. He doesn't mention Cain, but we know he judges him. These are people who who know God, and if you think that being a believer is enough, how about these third of angels that know God personally and still won't be saved? There's more to it than just believing. It's surrendering. It's not enough. There's something about being a follower of Jesus you have to follow. So following saves you? No, but it says whether you're saved. 
If I tell you this morning, I love trout, it's my favorite meal, somebody in this church is going to catch a trout this summer and bring it to me. If I don't eat it, you should assume I lied. Right? If you love trout, you're going to eat the trout when it's put before you. I mean, unless there's some medical reason not to. There's a lot of Christians today who say they love Jesus, but they sure don't live like him and follow him. And it's time for the church to rise up and say they may be part of this category. I'm going to go back and pick on Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland has an interview on YouTube. You can watch it where a lady walks up to him and says, how many planes do you need? How much money do you need? He's one of the richest men in America. He's got a private jet, three of them, four of them, maybe six. He's got a private runway at his house. He lives like, uh, who's, the, who's the star that, can, that has a runway in his house? You know, uh, Pulp Fiction. Travolta, you movie watcher. Have you seen Top Gun? It's the second best Christian movie I've ever seen. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you've got to see it in the theater. It's, wow. It's got God all over it, I'm telling you. I sat there and I thanked the Lord for Tom Cruise. I just, just kidding. That was free. The, the, but the, the thing is, you guys, that this is about you and God. This is about me and God. It's not about me and Moses and God. It's not about me and Paul and God. It's not about me and Peter and God. It's me and God. And we've turned this, because our flesh likes the comfort of community, we've turned it into a community where we convince each other of worldly things and we talk very little about godly things. And the truth is we should be spurring each other on to love and, do, and love and good deeds. We need to continue to do that. And what we do is we talk about Jesus. We don't talk about America. We don't talk about our politics. We, don't, we talk about Jesus because he is the only one that can save us. He's the only one. And we've allowed, keep going. You go back to Sodom and Gomorrah. He turned heaps of passions, or he, <laughs> heaps of ashes. He made an example of what will happen to ungodly people. If you are not saved, what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? And, and what happened to the angels? And what happened to all the people outside of Noah's Ark? It's going to happen to you. See, your God's mean. No, it doesn't have to happen to you. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Please, don't be an idiot. Don't die in your sin. Don't be proud of your sin. I know the church is screwy. We know we're screwy. We're trying to walk with God and figure it out. And where does America end and you begin? We're, we're trying to figure it out as a church. And we're trying, but we're not your problem. Sin is. And I love this because this sounds so familiar. Yeah, God's going to get them. But then the next two verses, but God. This is 2 Peter 2, 7, but God. I mean, I love those two words. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom. Christian, faithful man and woman of God. Faithful man and woman of God, this is for you. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of wicked people around him. Can I, can I just pause for a second about Lot? What a weird text. For those of you who studied the Old Testament, we don't really see Lot as a hero in there, you know? What we do see, and this is interesting, and I can't prove this is what he's talking about, but we do see when the angels, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just ignore me for a minute. When the angels come into Sodom, to warn Lot, right? We find him in the middle of city, the place where visitors would go to, the city square, 
And when he gets there, it says that Lot recognizes that they're visitors, and he grabs them and insists they come to his home. And if you remember, the angels say, no, we're going to stay. And he says, no, you've got to come to my home until he eventually convinces them. Is it possible that the reason he was sitting in the middle of town is because he knew that his community had become so reprobate, so, uh, so defiled, that these men would get raped by the men of the community? These angels would be raped if he hadn't got them to his home. Maybe that's what this is talking about. I don't know, but I will tell you this. If God says he was a righteous man, who am I to argue? Yes, Lot was a righteous man, verse 8, who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue, this is the point, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked punishment until the day of final judgment. My, my political brothers and sisters, my frustrated brothers and sisters, my, the family of God who's being riled up by preachers who are telling you we got to save America, this tells you God knows how to save Lot out of Sodom. He knows how to save you out of America or this world. So relax. It's going to be 103 this afternoon. Find air conditioning and enjoy it. Look out the window. If you don't have any, you can stay here and we'll keep the air conditioner on for you. But, but the heat of the world, the noise, trying to figure out, oh my gosh, Facebook. Does everybody really hate each other this much? Hello? All this noise? I got news for you. When you go, oy vey, because we're part Jewish now, I guess, but, but when you look up in heaven and go, who's going to save me? He goes, have you ever read 2 Peter chapter 2? I saved Lot. I saved the righteous angels. He's, he's not done. He's not done. He goes on. You see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of, of final judgment. So while the world's going to hell in a handbasket, God isn't going, oh, what about my children? He's going, I got you. Well, I don't, I don't want to live in Sodom. Didn't ask you. I sent you to Sodom to minister. I sent you to Sodom to love these people. I sent you to Sodom to do my work. Well, I don't know what to do in Sodom. And I'm mad because blah, 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 blah. And God's going, relax. I got this. And we have examples of it. And, and I, just, I just want to remind you again of what 2 Corinthians 10 says. For although we walk in the flesh, talking to believers, we do not wage war in a fleshly way, since the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but are the powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every high-minded thing. Okay, so the war of children of God that we are waged in is not about gun control or the right to bear arms or, or even abortion, but our battle is about lies, the lies of Lucifer. So, we demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, it starts with me. I've got to go, that's a lie. Yeah, my flesh wants that. That's a lie. My flesh, lie. I have to fight that because your flesh is where Satan does his best work. I like overeating. I demand the right to have a glass of wine. I have a, you know what? Since Jesus saved me, since Jesus saved me and I'm going to heaven and our doctrine is you can't lose your salvation, I deserve a little pleasure. And I hear this mostly when people are leaving their spouses for somebody that makes them happy. It's not okay. Unmarried people, it's not okay to move in with somebody you're not married to. It's not okay to have sex before marriage, whether it's somebody of the same gender or somebody of the other gender. 
The problem in the world is not homosexuality. The problem in the world is sin. And the problem in the church is not what's going on in the world. The problem in the church is we're tolerating it. And we're rewriting scripture to make it okay. And I'm not talking about same-sex attraction. I'm talking about slander and gossip and overeating. Well, I, I just, it just makes me, life is so hard it makes me happy to overeat. Might as well smoke dope. I mean, from that argument, I, and, and some of us even change our doctrine. I refuse to believe in a God who would do it this way. Well, then worship Moloch. I mean, Moloch's your friend. I mean, seriously, when we start deciding who God is instead of discovering who is this, we come together as students, not as masters. And that's part of the false doctrine that's going on. We, we like really good Stephen Furtick. He is so stinking entertaining. Did I just mention his name? Yeah, I did. He's so entertaining. I mean, the way he moves across the his guy's got a gunshot. He looks like me. I know. That's why I wear long sleeves. I don't want to distract you. But when he gets up there and he's like, whoa, we all go, yeah, man. Yeah. I feel so good. I feel so pumped up. I can go and I'm going to go have lunch at Cheddar's and I'm going to talk about how good I am. I want to be like Joyce Myers who fixed herself. I know some of you read Joyce Myers. This is the one I actually prayed about it last night. I woke up at three in the morning going, I shouldn't mention Joyce Myers. Would you read her books one more time and listen to who's the authority that transforms lives? It ain't God. It's you. It's personal responsibility. That's what Joyce Myers, the evangelist, preaches. Two years ago, she identified it, said, I've, I've put too much on people, and then she went right back and wrote another book. The truth is, it's all God. It's always been God. It always will be God. And anytime we start adding us into the equation short of I choose God, we have left the message of salvation through faith in Christ alone. From the moment where we're transformed from hell to heaven to the moment of living now. Our only hope is not Donald J. Upside Down Bible Trump. It's Jesus. So we're going to vote Jesus as president? No, just make him Lord of your life. You don't have to vote on that. Seriously, follow him. Whether you struggle with same-sex attraction or you struggle with living with somebody you shouldn't make Jesus Lord. Well, then I'll have to, yeah. I don't want to, then don't. But now you know where the battle is. You see, these false teachers are trying to marry what you want with what God has for you. And I promise you, if you take a credit card and you give, you give $1,000 you don't have the carpenter's way, you will not get $100,000 back. That's a lie. And if you do, it's not from God. It's from somewhere else that's not holy. That is not what the New Testament teaches about giving. And we can have that conversation on a different day. But when you give $1,000 to a rich man who's dancing across stage with $7,000 tennis shoes, you're an idiot. And I say that with respect. It's a great... <laughs> I know, I'm sorry, but you're laughing because you know it's true. we got to stop. And that's what this text is about. 2 Peter 2, verse 10, he, will be, he is especially hard on those wolves in shepherd's clothing who follow their own twisted sexual desire and who themselves despise authority. You need to follow me. But I'm not going to obey the government. I mean, look, we're supposed to obey the government unless the government 
tells me to disobey God. And if you want an example of that, look at Daniel. And what was Daniel doing before the government said, don't pray in your upper room? He was praying in his upper room. And when he found out from the king that he wasn't supposed to pray in his upper room, he said, okay. And you know what he did? He went up and prayed in his upper room. And he ended up in the lion's den because of it. See, we should rebel. No, just walk with God. It's not complicated. Walk with God in your private room. You don't have to, hey, you don't have to post it on Facebook. Do you know that? Do you know what? Nobody needs to know that you're walking with God. Nobody. Nobody needs to know. Nobody needs to know that, uh, stop, you laugh, that encourages my sin. Let's just stop. Nobody needs to know, but Jesus, last time I checked, it tells me also to fast in quiet. Remember that? Pray and fast in quiet. The Lord's Prayer, it actually says, don't do stuff in repetition. I struggle every time I hear a church going, we're going to do a church-wide fast. Wait a minute, I thought that was supposed to be a private thing. I thought we weren't supposed to tell each other. In fact, I thought the scripture actually said, take a shower, wear your good clothes when you're fasting, so nobody knows you're fasting. Well, if nobody knows I'm fasting, they won't. What? They won't what? You know what I'm thinking. Well, nobody will know I'm fasting. Who's supposed to know you're fasting? I thought this was between you and God. Not anymore, it's not. It's about all of us. It's about feeling good about ourselves. And that's where the worship is today. All this worship makes me feel good. But the problem is, so do a lot of eagle songs. I mean, I think it's hilarious. Boy, we have a median age at Carpenter's Way because there's none of you that can drive through Arizona without stopping on that corner in Tucson. Having seven women on your mind. One that wants to stone you, two that want to hold you, one, well, she's a friend of mine. Sorry, I don't know that song. The, the truth is we're stuck. We're stuck. We're, we're just kind of, and look, I'm not saying you shouldn't stop in Winslow, Arizona. I said Tucson. Sorry. Tucson. There ain't nothing in Tucson. But, but if you're ever that close, go to, to, go to Tombstone instead where the, okay, Corral is. That's interesting. Um, but listen, you guys, Jesus and you, do you know what? You don't have to find, you don't have to find a group of people. Okay, so you might be like right now with the, uh, abortion thing coming back to our states, you might be going, what the church needs to do is we need to now put our money together and we need to support women. How about this? How about you going tomorrow and volunteering at the Pregnancy Help Center? Well, I'm just one person. God changed the world with 11. Pastor Mark, there were 12 disciples. One kind of fell off the wagon. The, the, the truth is, you can actually minister to somebody. You see a homeless guy, you don't have to give him 20 bucks. Take him to lunch. Well, I, I'm not sure I know how to do it. Okay. I mean, that's so stupid. You know exactly. You know everything about the Scriptures. All you got to do is ask him how they ended up there. And your waitress, get crazy. Ask her if you could pray for her. When the cop pulls you over, thank, you, thank them for their job, not hoping they'll let you off on the ticket. How about praying for Biden? He doesn't look healthy to me. That's not a political statement, seriously. When was the last time you prayed for that man? If he was your father or your grandfather, we'd be worried about him. How about praying for Nancy Pelosi? She's a mess. And I, I okay, uh, let me balance it out. Donald Trump needs a lot of prayer. He's got super thin skin, right? I mean, we're, we're all kind of here, and, and I know, and it's like, why do you keep talking about politics? Because I do believe that it's the American church religion now. Jerry Falwell was very effective. We do believe we are the moral majority. 
when we're supposed to be the resurrected majority. We're supposed to be so many of us, millions of us, going out into people that are broken and prostitutes and, and, and homeless children. The sex trade should be put out of work by the church, not empowered by the church. Men and women, you are the difference that can make huge impacts on Texas. Not Beto or our president, or our, our, our governor. We are the people of God. So sacrifice your life for him. Don't live for yourself. Live for him. And don't support preachers that tell you it's about you. You know what the core of their doctrine is? The core of their doctrine is in Genesis chapter 1 or 2, it says that we are supposed to dominate. What's the word, Jules? Oh, sorry. Uh, dominate. The, we're supposed to uh, lead the world, uh, govern. What's the word in Genesis chapter 2? Uh, he tells Adam to go and, huh? Dominion. dominion. Have dominion. That's called the dominion theology. And if we were supposed to do it in the garden and we've been resurrected to that life, we should have dominion over the world. And therefore, and by the way, let me name more names. Um, oh boy, this is going to kill me. Ted Cruz, his dad, right? Who preached in a Baptist church in this community a couple years ago. You know who Ted Cruz is, right? I'm not going to pick on him. I'm going to pick on his dad. His dad believes that since we are the children of God, that makes us small kings and queens. We are little gods in this world, small g, and therefore we should take all the money from the lost people and be the rich, the, the highest. We should be the masters of the world because we're supposed to have dominion. That's called heresy, and it's what we're warned about here. That's Ted Cruz's dad. Uh, I don't believe you, Mark. Look it up. Look it up. Just Google Ted Cruz's dad's theology. Just Google it. I'm not making stuff up. When I first talked about Thomas Jefferson's Bible, we had three or four people leave the church because they didn't believe it. I said, don't trust me. Google Thomas Jefferson's Bible. You see, there are some people who have a vested interest in deceiving us because they make a lot of money keeping us mad. And the truth is, you're not here to support missions. You're here to be a missionary. You're not here to support people that have broken lives. You're here to help them meet the one who fixed your life or is in the process of fixing your life. We're not here to live. We're here to die. You see this upside-down kingdom? Jesus meant it. Jesus meant it. When he says, the meek shall inherit the earth, he meant it. And when he said, have you ever committed adultery? And they said, no, I've never committed adultery. Have you ever lusted? One time when I was seven. When I was seven, I lusted. Well, then you've committed adultery. And they all went, hmm. When, when, they, when Jesus said, have you ever murdered? I've never murdered. Well, have you ever hated somebody? Because my father considers that like murder. Oh. You see, the problem is we all come broken to the cross, and he's in the process of, of resurrecting that. And then we should offer hope to the world, not act like we never were broken. What happens to those who don't follow Jesus by his word? Their destruction is in their reward and from the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are disgrace and stain among you. Any questions on how that has manifested itself with Ravi Zacharias and the leadership of pretty much the whole leadership of the, uh, the music group out of uh, Hillsong? What happened to Hillsong? Just Google it. Just Google it. They got pastors falling left and right because they're all having sex with their parishioners. By the way, in case you're not clear on that, that's not okay. It's not okay for shepherds to be sleeping with sheep. Okay? 
especially if you're married, it's not okay, and you're not married to that sheep. It's not okay for you to move in with somebody you're not married to of the opposite sex. It's not okay because you've been same-sex attracted to be acting on that. It's not okay. Well, I want to. Still not okay. There's a lot of things we want to do. I want to go, I would like somebody to give me $15 billion so I can move to New Mexico and live on a ranch with horses. Then when I get there, I'm going to complain that I've got to do their teeth and stuff because I don't understand horses. The truth is we all want something else, right? What Jesus says is, just want me. I'll take care of all of this. I can protect you righteous men and women from the evil day I can, as I judge the wicked. And I got this. Their destruction is their reward for the, har- reward for the harm they've done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in daylight. They are disgrace and stain among you. They delight in deception even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about the church. We're having dinner on the grounds. I hate Trump. I hate Biden. The problem with this country. That's not the church. Although I do like chicken. They commit adultery with their eyes and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin and they are well trained in greed. Ah, gosh, this is so graphic. They live under God's curse. They have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, who lived to, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. Remember what he did? He sold the prophetic truth that he knew from God to a wicked king who wanted to defeat the Hebrews. He was selling what he knew to be true. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course with his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. I love that. Excuse me, prophet. What's he doing? He's beating that thing. These people are useless as dried up springs or mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to the blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. www.markwilkie.com See what Mark has to say about abortion. Come to my website and I will explain in my white papers what I think about gay marriage. We need a pastor who, who cares what Mark thinks? Seriously. I can give you some direction, but if I can't back it with Scripture, who cares what I think? I've got a grandson with RSV I can't heal. I'm praying for him. Looks like it's going in the right direction. But there are no guarantees. I'm looking forward to home, family. Because I don't have any of the answers I thought I knew I had at 35. I just know God better. I trust Him. I know, i got to end. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boastings. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from the lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slave of sin and corruption. Okay, I'm going to wrap up. Uh, stick with me, Kevin, because I'm going I'm to take you some text. That... Um, I'm going to go to 2 Peter 3. Don't put it up there yet, verses 1 and 2. Listen, the bottom line is we have taken our eyes off of Jesus and we put it on his shepherds. Now, most of you follow really good shepherds, but you should never trust them. I trusted Ravi, and while I still think he had a lot of really good things to say, I didn't know he had a massage parlor and was enjoying the benefits of that. I didn't know that. And that's just the beginning of the sin. And it's time for me to stop trusting people. Maybe I can study his word. And I know it's hard. Oh, 
Here it goes. Put it up there. Chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. So this is the very next, after he's done talking about his worry for them, you know, this is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Leave that up there. That's his point. So the Holy Prophets are the Old Testament. You got the Old Testament written by prophets. You got the New Testament validating the prophets through the apostles. Those are the letters of the New Testament. You've got a Bible. Use it. Well, I don't understand it. Then get a New Living Translation. It's okay, but read it. And if you don't know how to read it, we're here to help. That's what the church is here to do. We have lots of resources to get you in the Word. And, and a lot of them aren't one-to-one. Most of them are groups. We have Tuesday morning men where every morning we sit from 6.30 to 7.15. Matthew Colbertson leads us, and we read, a few, we read a section of Scripture. We're going through the Bible. We were just going to go through Genesis, and I think now we're in Exodus 37. So we've decided just to keep working until we're done, and then we're going to start over. And what we do is he reads a section, he shares a couple thoughts with us, and then we all share what we're thinking and what stands out to us. Women's Bible studies all over the place. It's what we do with children. Alicia has, uh, Alicia has adopted a plan three years ago, two years ago, called the Gospel Project, where all of our children, if they're there every week, will actually go through the whole Bible twice before they get into fifth grade. Is that right? That's close to being right, right? That's incredible. Do you realize we're taking the kids through the Bible? Why? Because... While we want them to know that they can trust us, the truth is we want them to know that this Bible is final authority. And when they get into high school, they continue to go through the Scriptures. That's Adam's passion. That's why we hired Adam. We want, we want to teach people how to eat, how to feed themselves. Ladies, lots of Bible studies. Sunday morning before, we have two Bible studies. After, we've got seven Bible studies going on. And the reason we do these is to, is to model how to handle the Scriptures and discuss them and disagree you could leave here this morning upset with me about what I said about Biden or what I said about Trump. That's okay. I'm just an idiot. But I will tell you, God's word does not return void, and it means what it says. And my goal this morning isn't to convince you of anything except you need to not trust leaders. You need to hold them accountable. You need to study this chapter if you didn't like what I had to say this morning. And you need to find out where I'm wrong and call me, and you can buy me coffee. Better yet, you can buy me lunch. And I'll sit there and eat my lunch while you tell me where I'm wrong. And if you're right from Scripture, I'll get up this next Sunday and I'll say, I was wrong last week. Uh, have you heard me do that before? Yes. Because it, i got to tell you something. I make a good living here. You take very good care of me. Okay? Thank you. But I don't make enough to be wrong. And so I want you to teach me where I'm wrong. I want us to walk together. A couple years ago, my blood pressure was out of control. This is, this is how this works. And I was freaking out. Because as much as I say I want to go to heaven, I only want to go to heaven when I'm healthy. And I remember, I remember going to heaven. I'm sorry, Kevin. I pick on you a lot, but that's because I know you have a strong heart. And I go to Kevin's office, and basically in a very gentle Kevin Hudson way, he shared a verse with me, and he kind of said, he didn't say it this way, but I, this is what I heard. You've got to start believing that stuff, that God's in control. It wasn't very nice. I have now changed cardiologists. <laughs> Nobody's on. He's on point. And I hope, and I have sat with many of your relatives as they're dying. And um, I remember one person, and, and I'm not going to share with you who, who it was because you know this person, and he was just diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, and he was dying. And his family, as you can imagine, were very upset. And so he came to meet with me, and he said, look, I just want to tell you that I'm, I'm, I've got six months. And we laughed because I said, well, we all knew you were dying. Now we know what of and when. And we studied the Scriptures together. And I want one of you to do that for me when I'm on my deathbed. Well, Mark, 
You're about to find out all that stuff you taught is true because that's what we do for each other. If they would have upheld Roe versus Wade this week, ooh, don't let the, the country control your emotions. Find your joy and hope in the Lord. We got to get back to Jesus because it's going to get weird. It's already weird. We don't even know how weird. And we got to turn TBN off it would be better for you to watch Seinfeld reruns and know that they're not telling the truth than to watch somebody that you think is telling you the truth. And I'm, not, I'm there with music too, you guys. I listen to a lot more country that lies to me than Christian that does too. Because at least I know the world is lying to me. It isn't solved by a beer. No matter how dead my dog is. Okay, are we done? <laughs> Thank you for not saying yes. You're like, yes, it's 11.05 and I want to go to lunch, okay? Thank you for not saying yes. That was very nice of you and it's one of the reasons I like you. It is such a privilege to be your pastor. I am not right on everything. But you got to know where I'm wrong from the Word of God. And I promise, if I'm out of line this morning and you can show me from Scripture after we sit and humbly talk, don't Facebook text me. But call, we'll get together. I will start, I will mount the pulpit next Sunday and I'll share with the church where I was out of line. And I've done it before because we're in this together to, to circle around Jesus and follow him off the cliff. Lord Jesus, we love you. We trust you, but we need more help with that. So Father God, I pray that we would follow you and all the noise we would recognize. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for putting up with people like me. We love you. Be with our children this afternoon as they go to camp. Keep them safe, please. Transform hearts. Give Alicia energy. Father, as the kids go Friday to, to children's camp, young children's camp, Father, keep them safe. I pray that they would not be distracted by homesickness and missing their mommies and daddies where they can't hear about Jesus. And for the rest of us, Lord, if we need to turn off the news, help us turn off the news. But if we need to be engaged in that, help us to be engaged with the power and the spirit with which Jesus did life. In your holy name we pray, amen. Love you guys.